This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. A couple months ago, actually just, I should say just over a month ago, uh, Elaine and I and some others here I think in the church too, had a chance to attend a concert by Chris Tomlin uh, in, in the city of Edmonton. Chris Tomlin is a, a contemporary Christian songwriter who's written many of the songs that we sometimes sing in church Sunday morning. Uh, his songs are literally being sung around the world. And um, uh, God-glorifying, God-honoring worship courses. Just as we've been talking about the Psalms and how David was a songwriter, Chris Tomlin is a songwriter, and expresses uh, praise to God and uh, very powerful. There's uh, nothing quite like uh, sitting with a group of people all together worshiping God. 1,700 people all worshiping God at the same time. It's quite impressive and quite amazing. Uh, fills your heart and soul. Many of you have been in places like that. We happen to get good seats, in my mind, good. Um, two rows from the front. And it was great. Now, I recognize that um, sometimes it's difficult to have the same experience in church as it is at a concert where people have paid money to do one thing, to hear praise and worship and to involve themselves in praise and worship. If I'm absolutely honest, every Sunday when we come here together for church, there's that potential, but every Sunday I recognize, and I'm not trying to be mean, but somebody in church thought the music was too loud. Somebody thought the music wasn't quite loud enough. Somebody thought the drums were too loud. Somebody thought the guitar was too loud. Somebody was thinking about how people were singing. Some people, without turning around, were looking and blaming the sound guy at the back. That's just the way it is. And then we come to church and we've got all kinds of stuff going on in our minds. Things from home. Uh, you know, did I, did I get cleaned enough properly without the sink? Did I... Uh, was they able to get things all together. We come to church and we have stuff in our minds and our hearts, and so it's really hard to focus our attention on Almighty God and to worship Him with a, a clear heart and with full enthusiasm. I have to say, as we went to the church where the concert was, uh, we got there early uh, and, and wanted to get our good seats early, um, there were two seats right in front of us that stayed empty for a while, and uh, they were in the first row. And then shortly after, um, an elderly, when I say elderly, that means a few years older than I am, uh, I think, they came and sat directly in front of us. Uh, you can just see the letdown in their face. Because they sat directly in front of a woofer. 
were a bass amp that was about the size of a small car. Literally. I mean, we have a little tiny thing here. This one was almost as big as the piano, stood almost as high. It was black and menacing and intimidating. And this couple sat directly in front of it. And I could see their faces. It was a stunned look. And they looked at one another, and I could read their minds. I'm not good at that, but I could read their minds. We are going to get blasted out. This is going to be awful. Now, I have to say, we sat right behind them, so we were only like maybe a foot and a half, two feet behind them, and it really wasn't that loud. It really wasn't. They had, whoever had set up the sound, it really wasn't that bad. And uh, we did have uh, earplugs just in case, but uh, we didn't use them. And, uh, but I could see as the first notes of the song played, this couple looked at one another and there was nobody else to look to. I mean, the people on either side were there for a reason. They just, you could just see panic setting in. And before the first song was up, or was over, they were up and they were out the door. They were not gonna stick around. I don't know what they paid for their tickets, but they were not going to enjoy this concert. They were gone. So I know that even when you pay to go to a concert, not everybody enjoys it. That's just the reality. But there's something about people gathered together in a group without worry of what everybody's thinking, but lifting their hands and voices and praise to God. I have to say that at one point in the service, as, or in the concert, as was going on, everybody was standing. I forget what the song was, but there, I just looked to my, my right a little bit, to the, the center of, of the auditorium, and just to see young people, old people, just praising God with some of the courses that, that, are, that are up here, and just powerful, powerful praise and worship as they lifted their voices and their hearts to God. It, it, it was incredible, incredible. Perhaps, perhaps with something similar to what we read in the book of Revelation, when it says, Revelation chapter 5, I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard the every creature in heaven and on earth and under the sea and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever and the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down on worship what a scene in heaven that would be people from every language group People from every nationality coming together and lifting their voices, lifting their spirits in, in praise to God. What an exciting thing. I don't believe, it's just my personal beliefs, 
I don't believe any of us would be there worrying about how loud the drums are that day. I don't believe any of us will be worried about the lead singer or worried about the words not coming fast enough on the screen. I don't believe that many of the things that we worry about in worship services are going to be found that day. Everything else will be put aside and it will be focused attention on God and worship Him. And I believe, I really do truly believe, it will probably be songs that we don't know. Probably be songs we don't know. It may be songs that were written before time even began. Or maybe it'll be a Chris Tomlin song. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. But I do know it'll be glorious. Last week we started a new series here, a sermon series, titled uh, Seven Words That'll Change the Way You Praise God. And um, we had a brochure in our bulletins last week. If you didn't get one, want one, they're available at the back. Uh, I talk about why we worship as we worship here in Bethel. Because every church you go to has different styles of worship. And, and, and why do we raise hands? Why do we do all the things that we do? It's there at the back. If you didn't get one, feel free to take one today. We looked at two words. You see, in the Old Testament, there are seven words, seven different words that are all translated as one word. Just as in the New Testament there are four words that are all translated love, in the Old Testament there are seven Hebrew words that are all translated praise. All translated praise. And so the nuances, the little differences between Hebrew words, we want to look at them and say, how does this affect our praise? So one of the words we looked at was a yadah. Want to say that with me? Yadah. You're Hebrew speaking. Way to go. A yadah is to revere or worship God with extended or upraised hands. To lift hands and worship and praise to God. It's something they did in the Bible. something we do today. It's something that's found wherever you go in the Christian world. It's wherever you go in the sports world. If you're sitting in the stands and Connor McDavid scores a goal, immediately the announcer doesn't have to say, now will everybody please stand and give praise to Connor for scoring it. It doesn't happen that way. It just happens automatically. People stand and they lift their hands in enthusiasm and cheer on. Well, a yadah is a form of cheering God and lifting our hands and say, God, you're worthy of our praise. And it happens cross-culturally. Another word that we talked about last week was a halal. You want to say that? Halal. It's actually the base word, the root word for hallelujah, which we say a lot in our churches today. Um, the word halal means to, to boast or to celebrate. And, and one, of the, um, one of the meanings is to be clamorously foolish. To lose all inhibitions, to not worry about what the person next to you is thinking, to not worry about what the person in the back is thinking, to just let it go, to just praise God. It's funny. Um, last week after the service, we had some guests with us. Uh, one lady came up to me and said, Pastor Dave, yes. She says, I have a word from God for you. Okay, I'm open to that. 
She says, I just want to tell you that the chains have been broken off you. And I thought, okay. She says, you're too reserved. And uh, I came to this church some years ago, and I asked if I could do something in church. And you wouldn't let me. And so I feel now the chains are being broken off you. And so I said, well, that's interesting. And he said, if you asked me today, I would still say no. And her face just dropped. <laughs> I thought the chains were broken off you. Well, they are. I can dance and I can shout and do all the things that you got to do if you want to do in church. I can do all that. But I recognize some of you don't. And I'm here to pastor the whole church, not just us crazy ones. And sometimes people's worship becomes a spectacle. And you begin to focus on the people doing it and not on the God that they're supposedly worshiping. And so I would still say, if you come and ask me to do something crazy, I'll probably still say no. And in that case, I probably still have some chains hanging around me. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Now, if you put me alone by myself, uh, where I can turn the music up to the level that I want, I may be... A little freer. I may be a little louder. I may even dance. And that's okay in my private time because you don't have to watch me. And I wouldn't be embarrassed because I don't have to worry about you seeing me. That's freedom in worship. Freedom in worship does not always mean you get to do whatever you want to do in church. Freedom in worship means that when I have time and I just want to go crazy and just worship God, I can do that. I can do that. Can you imagine today, I, I, I know I'm, I'm maybe off topic a little bit, can you imagine going to a Saskatchewan football, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders football game, like today they're going to have one? Can you imagine going and sitting beside a guy who's wearing a watermelon over his head? Can you imagine that? Now, imagine going to the same football game where there's no cameras. Nobody in the world is going to see you on TV, on national TV. I wonder how many people would be wearing watermelons on their head if nobody's going to see them. You see, a lot of times what you see on TV is because people want to become a spectacle. They want to be seen. And sometimes, sadly, that happens in church. And so a halal is to boast, to celebrate, and not worry about what people think. Sometimes it's difficult, because let me be honest. I'm, I'm trying to be honest here. I do everything in my power not to look foolish in front of people. You? I do everything in my power not to look. But when I'm by myself, I can let her go. I don't have to worry what people think. I can just praise God with everything I have. I know sometimes in church it's not quite that way because there are people, and we have newcomers coming into church, and they don't have a clue what we're doing. They don't have a clue what we're talking about. And so it seems a little odd to me. But halal, that's what we talked about last week. Let's move on real quickly. Today we're going to talk about a zamar. I want to say zamar? Zamar. It means to make music, to celebrate in song and music, to touch the strings or a 
part of an instrument. It's, it's, it's basically praising God with song and praising God with music. It's what happens when a guy plays a, a guitar riff on, the, on, a, on his guitar. It's what happens when the guy on the drums just goes for it. It's, it's making music that pleases God. and honor. It may not be your liking. It's not for you. It's for him. And a couple, probably months ago, I had somebody uh, message me and say, Pastor Dave, I know we're never going to play this song in church. But he says, this is the type of music I listen to. And he sent me a link to a song. And I, I played it. I honestly played it. And I looked up the lyrics because I couldn't understand them. I looked them up to find out what it was being said. It was a song of praise to God. I get tired. Listen, folks. Especially those of you who are older, but it really applies to everyone. Some of you who are young, you sit there with a chip on your shoulder saying, I don't know how people can worship that kind of music, that old style of music. Grow up. Just grow up. Some of the old classic music has been sung for centuries. And it's good stuff. It's quality stuff. And even some of the stuff that comes from the 1950s and 40s and that kind of stuff, just grow up. That's how people express their praise and worship. It's not for you, it's for God. And likewise, those of you who are older, don't go crazy just because one song leader leads three hymns on a Sunday. That's happened a few weeks ago. Don't think that's the only type of holy music we have in the church. Just because we sang a song from the 1950s. I'm telling you, there's music that existed before the 1950s. Songs that you and I have never even sung before, never even heard of before. And so don't go crazy and say to one of our worship leaders that somebody said to, to them, well, this is the only kind of holy music really is. The other stuff is all just fluff. Can I say to you the same thing? Grow up. Grow up. The music's not for you. It's for God. And we all have different likes. And I get that. We all have different styles. And I get that. In a church like ours, we do try to blend and we try to do different things. Uh, you know, sometimes you sing old stuff, sometimes new stuff. And if I had my way, we'd sing a bit of country. But I know, I know some of you aren't into that. Um, that's just the way it is. A zamar is praising God in music. And it's throughout the scriptures. It's used 41 times in the scriptures. Psalm 40, 144, verse 9. I will sing a new song to you. Did you hear that? A new song. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises, zamar, to you. Psalm 7, verse 17. I will praise Yadah, the Lord Almighty, to his righteousness, and I will sing praise, Zamar, to the name of the Lord Most High. Two words in one sentence. I'm going to praise you with uplifted hands, and I'm going to praise you with a song. Psalm 57, verse 7. My heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and praise, give praise, Zamar. Um, and if you notice at the top of the psalm, it says that that psalm was written while David was hiding in a cave. You know, sometimes 
The best songs come from places where we're hurt and we're fearful and we're hiding and we express our praise to God because we don't know where else to do. It's, it's, David, it's Paul and Barnabas praising God in the middle of a prison and just lifting their voices in praise to God. It seems out of place at times. In 2 Kings chapter 3, Elisha was a prophet of God and he was asked by the kings to give a word of encouragement, a word of direction for the kings before they go into battle. And he agrees to do it. But he says in 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 16, give me a harpist first. Give me a musician. Before I say anything to you, let's get into the presence of Almighty God through worship. Give me a harpist. Some of you are like that. You're going through a tough day and you're driving in your car and you find a CD and it's sent in the console and you stick it in. And suddenly your car is filled with the praises of God. And the things that bothered you so badly now suddenly get laid aside because you're just praising God. Some of you still have vinyl records and you put them on the record player and you let them shift around and, and beautiful music and comes out. Praise to God. It's wonderful. Music has the ability to help us recognize the presence of God. It helps us focus our attention. And most of us know the power of music that it has in our lives. Be it an old hymn or a worship chorus or a, a modern worship song. It not only speaks to our intellect, but it, more importantly, it speaks to our hearts, our emotions. Every once in a while, somebody will say to me something about, you know, the beat of the song. That's what music does. It gets into our being. It's not just our intellect, but it's our heart. It's our whole being worshiping God. Praising God with a zamar. Praising God with a song. We all do it. And we should be careful about criticizing others how they do it. Because the song is for the Lord, not just for us. The second and last word I'll talk about today is that ta-da. Uh, the way I remember it is a kid wanted to show off. Ta-da! That's what it is, a ta-da. What it is, it's described there for you in your notes. It's an extension of the hand, it's a thanksgiving, it's a confession, it's a sacrifice of praise. And often it implies thanksgiving for things that you've not yet received. Um, it's used 32 times in the Bible. In Psalm 56, verses 11 and 12, In God I trust and am not afraid. What can man do to me? I am under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offering, my tadah to you. Psalm 50, verse 22 to 23, Consider this. You who forget God, or I will tear you to pieces. No one will rescue you. Those who sacrifice thanks offerings, ta-da, honor me, and to the blameless I will show my salvation. It speaks of giving thanks for things that you haven't received yet. It's a praise of thanksgiving in faith. I read the story this week of a, a man's teenage daughter been out partying all night. She never came home all night long. And um, in the morning, uh, as uh, a friend came over to the house and was speaking to the dad and, and saying to the dad, you must be worried out of your mind. You must be going crazy not knowing where she is right now. To which the father responded, I don't worry, I worship. I don't worry, I worship. I've turned the situation over to God. Some of you are facing physical illness. And you're filled with worry. 
Can I just say to you, worry doesn't add one single thing to your life. But worship does. Worship focuses your attention on God who cares for you. And can I encourage you to offer a tadah? Maybe it's a sacrifice of praise. You don't feel like it. Maybe you haven't received the answer that you're praying for yet, but you're praising God anyway. I know it's on the way. God, I thank you for what's about to come. I thank you for what's about to happen. Because it hasn't happened yet. I don't worry, I worship. Have you ever worshiped God in anticipation of something that you were hoping or expecting to happen? Of God fulfilling his promise, perhaps? Have you ever raised your hand in praise for your wounded marriage, for your troubled career, for your wayward son or daughter? Have you ever raised your hand in praise, anticipating that God will give you the promised direction and wisdom that you've been waiting for? Or for the provision that you've been waiting for? Have you ever expressed your tadah? God, I haven't got it yet, but I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm going to thank you for what you're about to do in my life. Because I don't know what's all about to happen, but I thank you, God, that you have the future laid out. You have my steps before me. They're ordered of the Lord. And I give you praise today. My steps of a righteous man are ordered of God. I don't have to fear tomorrow. I can give God praise for tomorrow. I can offer a ta Our praise should not only express thanks for what God has done, but for what he's going to do. Some of us are very childish in our praise, because all we think about is what God's already done in our lives. Mature praise moves into the area of thanking God for what he's about to do. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm going to praise him anyway. A.W. Tozer said, True worship that is pleasing to God creates within the human heart a spirit of expectation and insatiable longing. True worshipers anticipate more. And I put a quote up here from John Ortberger, a modern-day author. I need to worship because without it I can forget that I have a big God beside me and live in fear. I need to worship because without it I can forget his calling and begin to live in a spirit of self-preoccupation. I need to worship because without it, I lose a sense of wonder and gratitude and plod through life with blinders on. I need worship because my natural tendency is towards self-reliance and stubborn independence. When I worship God, I say, God, you're in control. And if I can do that with a song or an uplifted hand or whatever, uh, I can worship God. If you're living in rebellion to God, your family, or anyone in authority, worship is not going to be really possible for you. Worship is an act of surrender. And if you've not surrendered to God, then it's going to be difficult for you to worship. I encourage you to do that today. Acknowledge the supremacy of God in your life. Some of you are waiting for God to show up. You're waiting for God to answer a prayer. It hasn't happened yet, but you're waiting, and you're trusting. And you need to offer a prayer, uh, a tadah, a praise of anticipation, uh, we're going to close, and uh, we've got a really short video. It's about a minute long, and as the video is playing, uh, just to get you into worship, our team is going to come up, and they're going to lead us in a couple more songs. Uh, we've been doing this last couple weeks. We're just closing our, our, our service with a chance for you to put into practice, to offer God a tadah today, to offer God a, a zamar today, to offer God a, a halal today, just to praise God. Don't worry about the people around you. They'll still be there when the song's over. 
and they'll still be there when you're done praising God. Just give it to God today and let God speak to your heart.